Hey everyone, I'm Jacob Cohen Donnelly and this is a Media Operator. This show is a discussion about building media companies for current and prospective media operators. We discuss business models, products, audience development, subscriptions, advertising, commerce, everything to help you with your media business. To learn more and to become a premium member of the newsletter, visit amediaoperator.com. My guest this week is Scott Broadbeck, the founder, editor, and publisher of Local News Now, a network of hyper-local media companies. During our 50-minute conversation, we discussed how he first started the network, some of his big mistakes, the way local businesses buy ads, and so much more. I hope you enjoy our discussion. I always like to hear the origin stories of how people got into media because I don't think most people start out with the dream of running a media company. So how did you wind up working in media and what prompted the launch of the first site in the local news now network, Arlington Now? So first of all, thank you for having me on. Uh, really excited to be on this podcast where uh, a lot of people I really uh, admire and respect have been uh, been on before me. Um, so my journey to launching our sites started in uh, after college. So I actually started out in TV news, uh, local TV news specifically. I went to GW in DC uh, and uh, worked for uh, a TV station here, NBC4. Um, and I also subsequently worked for uh, Fox 5. And so I got my start in broadca- local broadcast journalism. Um, fast forward to 2009, uh, we're in the middle, the, the financial crisis is a thing. Uh, I'm, I'm getting an MBA at Georgetown cause I, I, I always had an entrepreneurial bent and I kind of see a potential need to, to make my own luck in this business as things are kind of crumbling in the, the traditional media space. Um, I'm working the, the overnight shift at NBC four while, um, getting my MBA and, I say to myself, you know, I am getting really, really burned out uh, only working when it's dark outside. Uh, And I would really like to be doing something with the internet uh, rather than just broadcast. So I tried to... tried to convince my bosses to let me do more uh, daytime stuff and more internet stuff. And they said, well, it's not really in the cards. And I quit. And um, it was a a couple months after that, uh, you know, I'm trying to decide what to do next that uh, I was also trying to get a job with TBD, uh, Jim Brady's local news operation here in the DC area. Uh, But he was taking a while to launch it. So I decided, well, uh, I'm here living in Arlington. There's only like, you know, a weekly newspaper that no one my age reads. Um, it doesn't even come to the apartment building where I'm, I'm living. Um, maybe it'd be interesting to start a, a local news thing for Arlington. And that was pretty much like the shower thought I had that turned into uh, what is this business 11 years later. And what were the early days like when you were running Arlington now? Was it just you doing all the writing and publishing and ad sales? Or did you early on start to build a team? So I started out, I'll be completely honest, with no business plan whatsoever. Uh, my plan was simply to uh, get a camera, a police band scanner, and a laptop together and go out and report local news. And you know, some of the first stories we reported were kind of of the house fire and big snowstorm variety. Uh, this was early 2010. Um, so I, I didn't have a plan for how we were going to make money. I didn't know whether anybody was going to read it. Uh, I didn't have any other employees. It was just me. And so it was, you know, in, in, in 
current media parlance. It was sort of a creator-driven enterprise, um, but it, it eventually started growing and it, it started to grow to new sites and, and, and new employees you know, just over uh, a year or two after I, I, I launched the initial site. A year or two into doing Arlington Now, you started to expand into new areas. What what were the parameters you were looking for that you know really piqued that interest to start growing into other cities in the DC metro area? Well, this has been a you know once we started getting getting the audience and started getting advertising revenue, and I saw the business potential for this, um, I really started to think about what I wanted this business to be. You know, as it really grew into a business, and you know, I've always had a passion for local news. You know, working in local TV, there's a reason why I went there in DC rather than you know trying to work in national news. Um, although I did that for a short period of time, but I've always had a passion for local, and I, I decided that this business needed to be have a mission of you know spreading, coming up with a business model that works for online local news and um, helping to you know, spread that elsewhere. Um, so that's why that, that was the main impetus for launching new sites. I could have stayed just in Arlington and had a very comfortable lifestyle business um, doing, doing you know, pretty well. But uh, instead, what I decided to do in 2012 was launch in Bethesda, another DC area close in suburb that has a demographics uh, and kind of a configuration similar to, uh, to, to Arlington. And I want to expand a bit on this because you've got a couple of sites in the network that don't follow the same city now structure. How did Tyson's Reporter, Run Washington, and Popville wind up in the network? So, so Tyson's Reporter uh, was uh, Tyson's Now seemed like it would be a, a a good domain name, but a gentleman named Tyson Snow owned it, and I could never get in touch with him. So that was that was what, how Tyson's Reporter came to be. Um, as far as the other two sites, those are actually sites we partner with. So. Uh, we, we we have owned and operated sites. Uh, our site in Arlington, then uh, you know currently Tyson's, Reston, and Alexandria, all in nor- Northern Virginia. Um, the other two sites are uh, owned by others, and we help them out with the tech and the sales. So, um, Run Washington is a regional running pop, uh, publication serving the D.C. area and Mid Atlantic. Popville is a um, neighborhood news blog that covers uh, many neighborhoods of Washington, D.C. and, and you know, some of the very local goings on. One of the big things that I've noticed with a lot of publications that start with one and then start to evolve into multiple publications is they each have their own way of building out their teams. With your sites, are does each publication have a specific team dedicated to it or do the people who work at the company spread their time across the various publications? And then why did you make either of those decisions? So the, the staffing has evolved. Um, early on, out of necessity, it was one person, one site uh, in terms of the editorial. Um, that's obviously not very sustainable. You have one person and um, they need to take vacations and you know go to doctor's appointments. And um, if it's just one person, one site, it's difficult to fill in for them. Um, and in addition to that, uh, you know, local news often op- uh, benefits from a more team environment. So two people can cover a community um, in more depth than one person, obviously. Um, 
the dimension of local we're, we're uh, operating on here, which, which is an important distinction to make, is we're, we're more akin to like a weekly newspaper in term, terms of covering um, suburbs, you know, individual communities um, of a larger metro area. We're, we're not like, uh, you know, a citywide publication more akin to a, a, a daily paper. Um, so, you know, the business model has not supported for, for us to have uh, much more than one person per, per site. But at this point, as we've grown, we now have staffing across multiple sites. So I've, I've, I've structured it so that we have um, one person, one editor per site, and then reporters who work across two sites, um, usually our Arlington site and one of our uh, other sites in Northern Virginia. And then how do you think about the composition of the back office? So audience development, sales, technology, functions like that. So on the, on the business side, we have a uh, one person who's mostly sales and account management. We have one person who is mostly display ads and special projects. Uh, right now, we're, we're rolling out a sort of an awards program for our Arlington site. And then we have one person now, uh, our most recent hire, who is dedicated just to sponsored content, which is, um, uh, you know, in terms of our direct sales, more than fifty percent of our uh, of our direct sales. And that's it. That's that. That's our business business side. It, it, you know, it's a pretty lean operation. Um, but and and we've tried to really, you know, make it as efficient of an operation as possible. On the sales side, we're mostly doing inbound converting inbound leads so because of the popularity of our sites you know being very widely read in their individual communities we get a fair number of advertisers coming to us and wanting to advertise rather than us need to needing to go out and prospect um or you know take a client out golfing or, or something like that that you might have done in the old days you know now most of our sales are being conducted via email some are still being conducted via phone um but you know, we put systems in place between our uh, CRM and um, you know, project management software to be able to serve these clients very efficiently. So, you know, our three people, that, that doesn't sound like a very big team, but but they're serving, you know, dozens and dozens of clients uh, and doing so very effectively, uh, you know, with uh, good customer service. You have multiple publications all serving the D.C. metro area. That is obviously a very thriving uh, community, uh, you know, the seat of our government. Um, as you start to think about continuing to grow, are there other areas in the DC metro area that you're thinking about, or do you think that you are starting to reach a point where you might need to leave the DC metro area? So, growing uh, on a owned and operated basis is is hard. It's hard, and you know, launching a new site from scratch and hiring for it um, and gaining an audience takes, uh, you know, a lot of time and investment. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we're getting to a point where um, we're, we're going to see a lot more growth in the local space. I, I think we're, we're figuring out, um, you know, what the business models are going to be uh, a lot more. I think I would say we're in the iPhone four stage of local online local news in terms of, you know, most of the the, the main business models and, and the way things work. Those are mostly figured out at this point uh, in my mind from from where I sit. And I think 
you know, it's, it's refinement and being able to, you know, grow, grow those things, um, going forward. So, you know, I, I think, uh, with the, the, the acquisition of, uh, of Charlotte agenda by Axios, we're at a point where, uh, we're going to see a lot of things happening in the, the local online news space and to grow on an, on an operated basis is going to take a lot of time and a lot of capital if you if you want to do it, you know, expand across the country, for instance. So our path to growth, um, I do not think is going to be uh, the owned and operated route. I think our path to growth is going to be the uh, partnership route. So that's what we do again with, um, we partner with Popville and Run Washington. The, the, those partnerships, you know, from, from my perspective, have gone very well. We've been able to um, take the, the scale we have on uh, our business side, which doesn't sound like much three people, but that's a lot more than uh, you can can have if you're just an individual uh, community site operator. So that we've been able to leverage that, that scale, again, not much scale, but enough um, to really grow revenue um, for our, our, partner, uh, our partner sites. And uh, I think that is a, that is a way to grow that um, makes a lot of sense uh, doing that in other areas. Uh, so that is something we are pursuing, uh, growing uh, partnerships both here in the D.C. area and elsewhere. You mentioned the big investment needed to grow audience. I want to spend a little time talking about that. What has been your strategy to grow the audience for the various publications? And as you partner or launch new publications, do you have a playbook that you return to every time? Yes, we do have a, a playbook that we've uh, rolled out. I, I I think it can use a little improvement. Where, um, for instance, we don't have a uh, you know referral program, a, a, like an email subscriber referral program. That's something I'm looking to implement and probably should have done earlier. Um, but our, our general approach thus far has been to mostly leverage social media advertising. Actually, um, so you know Facebook lead ads to to create an email list before we launch it has been part of that playbook and it has been pretty effective. Um, but in terms of making a, a, a local publication, a, a regular habit, there's only so much you can do before launch. Um, really it's about the content and putting out, um, news that is relevant to people. That's interesting that they want to share with their friends and doing that over and over and over and over again, um, for many, many months, before people start, you know, regularly coming back and knowing you as a brand name, um, that you know, executing on the editorial side is, is difficult. It, it, it's really hard, and I don't think um, we have all the answers in terms of how to do that and how to, how to scale that. But um, that I think we're getting closer, um, and I also think that you know, if you can figure that out, if you can get the audience, then. The business side is not that hard. Um, I, I say this even though it's taken me 11 years to get this, to this point, but really, no, again, most of our, our sales are inbound leads. Um, people coming to us for advertising because they want to reach our audience. Um, so when you have the audience that, that and you have an advertising business model, um, you know, it's just a matter of execution. Um, and not so much demand, at least if you're in, you know, in the right market, you know, the market is a variable here. We are in some very attractive markets in DC and Northern Virginia. It doesn't necessarily work in every market, especially if it's, if, if it's smaller, you know, our communities are 
generally 100,000 people and up. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that um, the uh, it's really about the audience here. And if you can get that, if you can really get a, a good portion of the, your local target audience to keep coming back, then you're in a very good place. One of the other benefits of running multiple sites, and I've written about this uh, multiple times now, is that you can share the technology stack across multiple sites. Every one of your sites looks identical with ver- you know, with varying color schemes. Was that always the case? And what technology powers the local news now network? So that that has always been the case that we've all had all the sites on on one uh, one look. So we're we're WordPress based. Uh, big fan of WordPress. Um, our the look of our site and the, the back end functionality within WordPress is all custom developed. Uh, it, it's a it's become a bit of a Frankenstein over the years um, as we've used a couple of different developers um, uh, in a row, uh, but ultimately. One thing that's notable about you know how our sites look is that they're all blo- chronological blog style sites. So you go to the homepage and you can read full articles in chronological order. It's not you know a list of photos and headlines and links. Um, that I think is, is works really well on this kind of community local level. Um, when you know we're, we're we're producing, I'd say about six to eight uh, pieces of editorial content per day, per weekday on our sites. And that is a, a number that I, I really think works uh, for our kind of, uh, of local publication. And it's also a, a number that works well for the more feed style or blog style homepage. And then is there any other technology that you think is critical to running this sort of network of sites? I mean, we're we're pretty much off the shelf with uh, with a lot of what we we do here. You know, we're we're using PipeDrive as the the CRM. We're using Asana for assigning editorial. Uh, we're using Slack to communicate. Um, I, you know, we're not really doing anything to to Mailchimp for for email. We're not really doing anything too novel here. It's just a matter of you know putting the the processes in place. I think in in terms of uh, especially on the business side to make sure that uh, things are running smoothly and you're executing well. Um, are there you know pieces of custom technology I wish I had uh, if I could afford to develop it? you know sure there are, there are definitely things that I would like to automate. Uh, there are things that I think we could could sell if we you know had the, the, the infrastructure on our website. Um, but we operate in a world of constraints and we don't have a huge web development budget. So we, we have just enough to uh, make what we have and um, you know, it's working for us pretty well. So let's move to the business model uh, for the various sites. By and large, you're an advertising business. By and large, most of your advertising comes from inbound leads. Can you break down the various products that you offer your advertising partners? And then to expand on that, are they mostly local ads or have you reached an audience threshold where national brands are starting to look to advertise as well? So in terms of direct sold, we're almost all local ads. And a lot of our ads are the kind of ads you would, again, find in a uh, more of a weekly publication or like on 
you know, uh, very targeted on cable. Um, we're talking real estate agents, apartment buildings, um, medical offices, uh, just to name a few. Um, we're not necessarily getting some of the large regional advertisers, although we are getting uh, a bit more of that, um, including, uh, you know, health systems and, and, and other larger, more regional advertisers. I, I think over time, what we've seen is that um, advertisers have, have gotten more digital savvy. You know, when I when this launched in 2010, it was a, a real uphill battle to get people to advertise on the internet. Um, even then, you, you'd, th- you'd think that it would be a second nature, but you know, the, we're talking the long tail of advertising here. We're, we're talking, you know, very local advertisers. So, um, our business has grown. I, I think it's in large part to things we're doing, but it's also grown in in, in part because local advertisers are, are just getting more comfortable with the internet and, and buying online advertising. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned before, our direct sold mix is uh, skews a little bit towards sponsored content, and that's an area I think will continue to grow, especially as we uh, work to uh, improve. Uh, what we offer to those advertisers and maybe templatize it a little more to, to make it even more effective and, and, and more readable for, for readers. Uh, right now, it's a little free form uh, in terms of what advertisers can put up there. We still do direct sell, selling of, you know, the, the, of display ads of the, the rectangle boxes uh, on the right-hand side of the page. And we actually have clients who are very happy with that. So I, you know, I think the death of the banner is is exaggerated. Uh, those we have some very happy advertisers in there, and then to supplement that, um, we've gone a little bigger into programmatic for our two main site for, for our two highest traffic sites uh, over the past year or two, and that provides a um, you know meaningful amount of revenue to us. That's allowed us to do do some additional hiring in in recent years, uh, recent months rather. Um, that and that, of course, is you know, in terms of the ads I end up seeing on there, it's a mix of uh, local, regional, and national. Um, so the national advertisers might not be coming to us to buy directly, but they are coming to us through programmatic channels. And when you're trying to sell ads to these local partners who, by and large, don't know too much about digital advertising, how are you pricing it? Are you are you trying to explain CPMs to them, or are you selling it on a sponsorship basis? You know, how, what are they what are they looking for when they advertise? We are selling on a sponsorship basis. We tried a CPM uh, for a little bit. We we dipped our toe into that water, but we've been mostly sponsorship based since launching. Uh, and what we found is that the the majority of our clients um, like the flat rate sponsorship model. They like saying, okay, this ad is going to be in this position for this amount of time, and here's how much it's going to cost. Um, the problem with CPM is, is the variability. Um, and also, a lot of our local advertisers just do not understand it. Um, and it's harder to explain to them how it works. You know, some, some of the local businesses, they they judge whether their ad is being seen as uh, by whether they can go to the site and see it at any given time. So to say it's in a rotation and it's going to appear 50% of the time is a lot easier than saying, well, it's going to appear this many number of times, but who knows when that's actually going to happen or who's going to see it. Um, so sponsor, yes, the sponsorship sale uh, works very well for us. And, and there have only been a few isolated instances where you have a more larger, more regional advertiser that's um, 
you know, wanted the, the CPM, but that really hasn't held our sales back. What is the breakdown of revenue between programmatic advertising and direct sold? Uh, that's a good question. I, I would say at this rate, it's probably roughly about a quarter um, of our of our sales or, or of our revenues from programmatic, um, and um, the remainder, the majority of the remainder is through direct sold advertising or sponsored content. We we have a small membership component that we kind of played around with um, last year uh, as a result of the pandemic, essentially saying. Um, you know, look, we uh, if you, if you are a big fan of our of our site um, and you want to help contribute and just you know get nothing in return other than allowing us to to do more local journalism and uh, you know not have to uh, not have to do less if uh, things really turn south, um, you know, join the join our Patreon and and we'll we'll put your money to work and that has contributed you know probably a single digit percent of revenue in 2020. Um, but otherwise the vast majority of our revenue is advertising. We're starting out in January, you know, where we left off in 2020, uh, 2020, we, uh, exceeded a million dollars in revenue for the first time. And, um, we're just North of, uh, a quarter million in, in, in net income. I want to talk about that membership a little bit because you know when I was doing research for this, I, I noticed that you have Patreons uh, for the various publications, and you know subscription is all the rage at media companies today. But you haven't gotten very aggressive with that strategy. Can you talk about what you're thinking with regard to subscriptions and whether it's something you're going to prioritize going forward? Well, look, there's a lot there's a lot you can do when you have an audience, right? So. That that is that is the main component you build on, and our slates have the audience. And the question is, can we sell something to that audience that they uh, really benefit from? The Patreon is, uh, I'd say, a, a pretty low bore uh, effort. It's we're, we're saying that you're not really getting anything other than the satisfaction of funding our journalism, and and it has done exactly that. We've we've been able to hire more uh, as a result of that, including a, a staff photographer uh, was a new new position we added next last year. It's really got upped our game in the the visuals department, which which I think is important. Um, but going forward, if we're going to do more reader revenue, uh, and I do I do want to do that eventually. Uh, I, I want to feel that we have something uh, for which there is you know, really strong demand. Right now, there is demand for, for the advertising on our sites. We, we get advertisers coming to us. Um, you know, they, they get referred by other advertisers who've had a good experience. And, and I think we have a very strong product that we're offering on the advertising side. Um, I want to feel, feel that way about the reader revenue side if we're going to proceed with it. And there's just not anything at this point that I see um, that we can can do effectively uh, that gets me to that point. So I think eventually we'll get there, but we're not there yet. In a perfect world, what does that environment look like? What is the offering that you believe uh, local news companies like yours should offer for subscription products? Uh, you know... There are two two schools of thought. You know, I have two trains of thought on this. One one is that it can be content. Um, 
you know, there, there's a lot of interest in uh, people asking us on, on our Twitter feed, you know, what's happening with, uh, you know, why did these police cars just go down the street? Um, what's happening with this business? So, you know, I can see a world in which we um, provide even more granular information to members and help answer their questions. Um, and that being a, a membership thing. Um, but that, again, we're, we're, we're pretty small on the, on the, um, on the editorial side, we have just shy of two editorial staffers per site. Um, and I think that would just be difficult to execute with existing staff. And, uh, I don't think that we could build that high enough at this point to really justify bringing on more staff. So as, as we, you know, perhaps continue growing the advertising business that might build the editorial side enough where we can do more stuff like that. Um, absent that, the other train of thought is that, you know, there's a lot going on in the community, um, you know, from a in-person standpoint, you know, I don't necessarily want to be an events business, but I, I think there are things you can do with a membership involving in-person stuff and physical physical things that could be interesting. Uh, newspapers in the past have, have, you know, found success having, um, you know, discount cards. I, I remember, uh, what, what was it called? Like, There's like a Washington Post points uh, card at one point. Um, I don't, that, that I, I don't know if that's still a thing, um, but I do believe that that can continue to exist in a, in a more modern context. Um, it would just it would just take execution and, and, and of course the world coming back from the pandemic and doing in-person things again. You mentioned that you don't really want to move into becoming an events business. You know, I know that there are other local media companies that before COVID were really starting to lean into that. What is your apprehension about, you know, post COVID starting to do events, especially since you do think that there's an opportunity for in-person things tied to a membership? So to be clear, you know, I am considering some some in-person um, events, and we're going to do some experimentation, hopefully later this year when things start to clear up. Um, but I, I really want those initial events to be focused on things that we can effectively monetize um, and that, you know, ser serve a specific um, informational, informational or transactional purpose for the people attending. Um you know, I, I think that there there are things you can do around around there um, that make some sense in terms of throwing events that uh, just to you know for a good time. Um, that that's harder. There are people uh, you know in this world who specialize in doing that. I, I'm not convinced that I can do it any better any better than anybody else. Um, and and the events we've held in the past where. You know, it's been like, you know, let's interview a newsmaker. Let's have a reader happy hour. Those have been nice, but they really are not, have not been revenue drivers. And I don't see the path to them being significant revenue drivers on this more hyper-local level. You know, if we were a citywide publisher, I could see that working more clearly. Um, but you're just dealing with, you know, ever smaller numbers as you go down to the more hyper-local or community-level space. And it's hard to make the numbers work in the current environment. 
with the current options. So keeping, you know, keeping my eyes open and, and, and seeing what we can do, um, you know, maybe there, there come something comes along, but, um, one reason I think we've had longevity is we don't, um, you know, just throw everything at the wall to see if it sticks. Uh, we, we've been pretty disciplined in, um, sticking to things we're good at and, and, and trying to simplify down our, uh, revenue generation over time, you know, our media kit has shrunk, not grown over the years. Um, and we haven't chased trends. I remember when everybody was doing daily deals, um, we never hopped on that trend and it's a good thing. It went away. Uh, I, I think you can, a big part of this, a big part of making local work is execution. And if you, uh, get lost trying everything, you're not going to, you're going to struggle with that on the things that matter. And you mentioned earlier in the show that you were starting to investigate an awards business for, I believe it was Arlington Now. Can you talk about that and talk through what you're thinking about launching? Well, if you look at pretty much any city magazine in the country, um, a big part of what they do is, you know, their annual awards. Uh, Oftentimes, you know, best of Washington or best of whatever. Um, And... The, that is big business for these for these magazines. They they, um, you know, th- they're often events associated with them. Um, they help drive a lot of uh, business side awareness of their brand. Uh, you know, because businesses love winning awards and uh, like competing with each other to uh, and, and and you know trying to be named the best. Um, and so the you know these publications again these are pr- legacy print publications, but um, you know. I happen to believe that they they know a thing or two about uh, about what they're doing here, and um, I, I am you know shamelessly taking a page out of their book and trying to replicate that online. Um, that sounds easy to do. It, it, it is you know take this kind of simple concept and then replicate it online. Um, I found it to be a little more difficult to 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 really. Uh, translate it, but we're working on it, and we're in the midst of voting for our inaugural Arley Awards, Arley's Awards uh, on on air all now right now. The name sounds a little too much like the Dundies. Um, we 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 might have to evolve it over time. I don't I don't know. We'll see. So let's fast forward a few years. Where do you see the local news now network in the next three to five years? Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I I think launching owned and operated sites is really hard. And while that's been our expansion plan um, for the better part of a decade, um, I I think for the time being, we want to focus on what we can scale and what we've been very good at. And that has been um, the business side of, uh, of, of these community level local sites. So, you know, we're we're pursuing additional partnerships this year, and uh, hope to get a get a few signed um, within uh, you know by the end of the year. We'll we'll see um, just how quickly we're we're able to ramp up. Um, you know what what we do works for kind of a very specific kind of a site serving a you know a larger um, a larger suburb or community that's a subset of a of a city. Um, a site that that has a strong audience and a, um, a and a uh, you know a, a, a inbound uh, you know inbound sales interest from advertisers I should say um, and there are you know fair number of sites that 
that meet that criteria out there. And and I'm hoping to talk to everyone by the end of the year. Um, what what what's interesting is okay. Well, once you partner with those, and and it's a finite number out there. You know, what do you do next? Uh, what's what's the what's the next part of that? Is it launching new sites? Is it uh, acquiring? Um, other sites that might not have the audience, but you can apply an editorial model and build an audience. Um, you know, I, I think what we're doing from the partnerships perspective is we're, we're taking uh, sites that have the audience, but might, might not have the same level of monetization that we do. And we're, we're, we're helping them um, monetize greater than they could otherwise, even with the revenue split. And our revenue split is generally a bit 50 50. Um, so, yeah, once we, we partnership, uh, partner with sites like that, you know, as I said, we, we might um, look to partner with sites with not quite the same level of traffic, but apply an editorial model and help them grow their traffic. Um, we might also look at, uh, you know, legacy publications. Uh, I think I think an underrated uh, thing in, in uh, discussions of, of online local news right now is the, the remaining audience strength of legacy publications, whether it be, uh, you know, daily newspapers, um, TV stations, radio stations, even uh, even some weekly uh, publications and, and, and city magazines. These, these publications, they, you know, they might have uh, be weighed down by this, this print model that, that is going to go away, uh, largely, I believe. Um, but they have ex- strong existing brands often. They have uh, big audiences. I mean, y- you go to any given city and you're probably still looking at the, the daily paper having the biggest audience in town. Um, if not them, it's probably a TV station. Um, so, you know, is there, does their business continue to degrade um, to the point where, you know, it might make sense for them to go online only? And then what is their, what is the way legacy publications like that, how do they go online only and retain a business, well, you know, what what I think will be interesting is in a few years is, you know, whether a uh, company like ours can play a role in that. Because you've been in local news now for over a decade, I want to spend a little time talking about it from a bit more of a macro perspective. So for the longest time, local news was primarily owned by newspapers. Uh, over the weekend, I watched two movies, which were both about the Washington Post newsroom, which used to be your local newspaper, but has since grown up to become a bit more of a national brand. For the majority of local newspapers in the country that can't evolve like the Washington Post did, do you see a path forward for them, or do you think that they are doomed? So I, I too, rewatched All the President's Men this weekend. That's ironic. Um, yeah, you know... I. As I said, these these publications they, they might be wounded dinosaurs, um, sta- you know, uh, staggering through a, uh, a a wasteland, a print wasteland right now. Um, but they still have major brands and, and and audiences. So, you know, in media, the thing that really matters is the audience is 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 the concentration of eyeballs. And as long as they can can retain that, then. There is a business to be had there. I, I, I think that for a while, I, I, I sort of thought that you know newspaper companies would eventually just die off, um, and 
they still aren't making very good decisions in many cases. And, and you have private equity players that are just uh, buying daily newspapers to, to bleed them dry. But they're still often the largest newsroom in town. They still often have the biggest audience in town. So even you know when they're sucked dry by the the uh, you know uh, vampiric private equity uh, funds, uh, I still think that there's a business to be had. So don't you know don't do not count them out. Um, and, and the question is, what do some of the newer online players? You know, what role do they play? You, you really don't have an example right now of a pure play online site that has grown up to be bigger than uh, you know the, the biggest leg- legacy player in town. Charlotte Agenda, which Axios bought, I think is, um, you know, their numbers are about twice ours in, in, in the, the revenue and profitability um, standpoint, uh, you know, as, as reported by the New York Times. They have a great reach in Charlotte. Um, and they have an incredible product. I think they're best breed. I think Axios made an incredibly savvy move buying them in their expansion into local. Um, but you know, they're still not. Um, I, I I I believe that that the, that local paper still you know has numbers on them. Um, so I'm pretty comfortable right now. Uh, you know, in our more. Um, hyper-local space in our community level space, again, competing with weekly newspapers. I think that's a, um, that's a fight that we're able, more able to win. Not, not that it, I'm not like actively competing against the local weekly, to be honest with you. But um, you know, I, I, I think that the online peer plays in that space, in, in the more community level space, have a, have a greater opportunity to be the dominant player in their particular markets. Um, you know, on a citywide basis, you have you have the dailies, you have the the TV stations, you have uh, public radio stations that are still strong. I, I don't quite know how that will shake out, but my my what I suspect is that um, the online players, you know, the Axios's uh, thing that they're launching, uh, at least you know for the uh, starting out, are going to be more niche than you know the the uh, ubiquitous mainstream. Um, kind of an audience you have with the, the the existing publications. So you mentioned what Axios is rolling out and how they're going to be a bit more niche than you know these major newspapers. And you also mentioned the Charlotte Agenda acquisition. What are your thoughts about what Axios is introducing in the local space, and what niche audience do you think they're targeting? So. You know, I think they're trying to. What they're trying to do is they're trying to cherry pick the the most attractive segment of uh, the local markets they're going in. So they're going, you know, after the, uh, you know, uh, the upwardly mobile professionals, especially young young professionals, people who are you know executive level, uh, you know, management in in, in uh, the the local businesses. Um, they're, I think what they're doing, and I don't have any inside knowledge of this, but I, I suspect what they're doing is they're going for that kind of more Axios type audience, but on a local level. And they're going to try to monetize that based on um, the strength of having this this very attractive segment of the audience. Um, I, I think it's smart. Um, I, I think that uh, it, <laughs> you don't want to be the first to, to call it a land rush uh, on something. Because uh, if no one else is rushing for the land, you kind of end up lo- looking silly. I, I think that's what 
ultimately happened with Tim Armstrong of AOL and Patch. He launched like a thousand sites across the country and thinking there was a land rush on and there wasn't. Um, I I could talk about more about Patch uh, later, but um, I do think we are getting to the point. And again, I I think we're getting to the point with the the business model of local where uh, the timing of this might be uh, actually right on point in terms of trying to establish that that market position in, in in the cities they're launching as far as I can tell they they want to be uh, they probably want to take that nationwide if they can if it proves success, successful you're also a founding board member of local independent online online news publishers can you talk about why that organization was originally founded and then what you're seeing over the past few years with local publishers that are part of the org? Well, there's. Um, I, I'm really proud of Lion and, and where it's come. It it, it really started as uh, something that was a bit clubby for a few dozen publishers who were oddballs doing this um, very unique thing across the country, and we'd get together uh, on a on a Facebook uh, group and and at an annual conference and sort of compare notes on what we were doing. That uh, and it was cathartic because no one else was really doing much like that, uh, things like that, especially early on. Um, but but since that time, the organization has grown. Uh, there's been more funding interest in local news, and and just from a, a grant standpoint, Lion has uh, you know expanded and has a you know, full time professional staff of of a couple people, and it's continuing to grow and do new things. Um, the, the the main constraint on Lion's growth um, is not really funding at this point. It's the ecosystem of, of sites that are can be considered Lion sites. Now, that, that has grown. I, I think Lion is in the 300s right now in terms of its membership. But, um, you know, there, the, what, what's constraining some of the growth of sites like this is, is just a lack of infrastructure. Uh, and, and that's something that I'm hoping to, to solve potentially with, uh, you know, partnering with other publishers is that, it's hard uh, to 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 really grow a business operation and an editorial operation. There, that is uh, to be able to execute on both is a skill that um, is um, not common. Um, there are lions who are doing amazing jobs of doing both. There are also lions who um, are better at doing one thing than the other thing. Um, and I, I think that there just needs to be. Um, more uh, more of a, a vendor ecosystem, more of a, a, a service ecosystem around these sites to, to really allow the growth of um, uh, of lion type sites. Uh, you know, you've done some writing, uh, Jacob, on on the creator economy and some of the you know substacks, the single person, one man band. Um, uh, media operations out there, and, and and you've noted that the business side of it is is difficult, um, and you know there there might be interesting things happening uh, in terms of supportive creators, and and just I think it was this week Forbes uh, announced that they were doing this uh, this sort of network where they're doing a fifty fifty split with some creators and. It, w- it was panned um, because, well, Forbes' website is clunky and the brand isn't what it once was. And 50-50 sounds pretty expensive. But, you know, I, I do think that on a, a local level, that makes a lot of sense because it's going to allow a lot more growth. And people who, who might launch sites and be really good at attracting an audience but just don't have the business side of it down will have that opportunity um, as the space matures, I think. 
I want to close with the same two questions that I ask every operator that comes on the show. First, looking at your career, what is a mistake you or the organization made? And what did you learn from it that made you better professionally? So I'd say the main mistake that sticks out for me is uh, I, I think I mentioned launching in Bethesda. Um, well, th- that had a, a largely happy ending. I ended up selling the site um, for uh, a, a not unsubstantial sum to uh, my competitor there who, who, who runs um, Bethesda Magazine. But I, I, I think that there was some hubris um, in launching Bethesda now and, and thinking that we could just hire one person and um, have the same outcome as we had with uh, the Arlington site. Um, it really did require more man- active management, and um, Bethesda Magazine was not uh, just going to lay over and let us, uh, you know, attract an audience. They ac- they launched a site called Bethesda Beat to actively compete with us. And we sort of stalemated on audience and they bought us and they were able to grow from that and everybody was happy, but we did not necessarily achieve what we were setting out to. So, you know, I, I think that's, um, that's partially, uh, you know, just uh, planning a strategy, but it's also execution and making sure that if you're going to go in and do something that you have the resources to do it well, even if you have to do so, you know, pretty lean because of you know, the size of uh, the market. And then if you could offer current or prospective media operators some s- advice to succeed in media, what would that advice be? You know, I, I have to go back to the audience. I think that's where everything starts is attracting the audience. And it's easy for me to say, you know, uh, looking back and, and, and luck certainly might have, and timing certainly might have played a big role in, in the success of our Arlington site that, that you know, spawned everything else that we, we've done. But um, the ultimately, the thing that made that site work is we had great content that people wanted to read and come back and keep reading. And it's the audience from which everything else springs. So um, there's a bit of a chicken and egg question sometimes in media. You know, can you be a business guy who's just really good at selling and figure out the editorial later? Some people have done that. But in in my mind, um, the the number one currency and the thing you really have to do well is get the audience. So if you're going to launch something new, um, especially in local, I I think you need to get a sense of your, your market and your competition. Uh, and your potential audience and what, what's going to, what's really going to attract them. And then you need to go out there and you need to execute every single day. You cannot take an off day. You know, uh, if you're, if you're looking to get enough scale on a local level to be able to make a real business out of it, you, you can't take off days. You, you, you have to go out there every day, pu- publish multiple pieces of news that, that different segments of your pop of your audience is going to find relevant and interesting. Um, and rinse and repeat. It's exhausting. And, uh, you know, if there's a 1B to this, it's that doing this is, uh, you know, doing a local site or, or pretty much any media site, I would imagine, is exhausting. And you just need to stick with it day in and day out. And sometimes it could take years to pay off. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe and give it a five star rating with your thoughts. If you want even more, Sign up for the newsletter at amediaoperator.com. Each Tuesday, I analyze the latest media news. 
And on Fridays, I do deep dives into specific strategic and tactical topics about building media businesses. Thanks for listening and see you next week.